You are listening to the Asking for a Friend podcast, an elder-led ministry of Believers Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and knowledge of God's people. My name is Jason Rowland. Thank you for listening in, whoever you may be and wherever you may be. May the Lord bless this podcast to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth. And on the podcast with me today is Philip Castleton and Philip we are recording this to come out for the second week of November, and we're asking the question, why was Jesus baptized? Why was Jesus' baptism important? So at first glance, when you read the text of those um, episodes in the Gospels of the baptism of Jesus, uh, it seems a little confusing. You, you, you don't see a real purpose. You don't understand what's going on. Because we understand that he's baptized with the baptism of John the Baptist. And the baptism of John the Baptist was characterized by confession of sin, uh, repentance. And we know that Jesus was sinless. He had no need of repentance. He, He did not confess sin because he was not a sinner. And yet, um, we read that text, particularly, I think we chose Matthew chapter 3 to, to be the text that we want to look at to talk about this question. And when you look at the text, you, you don't understand exactly what's going on, what's being accomplished by Jesus being baptized. And so let's think about it. I'm reading from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan, to the Jordan, to John, to be baptized by him. And John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he that is John consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So what's going on here, Philip? What, what, what can we bring to our discussion to answer this question, Why was Jesus baptized? Well, I mean, there's a couple of things that come to my mind. Um, first of all, I mean, let's just go with the obvious one. Jesus said, let it be so, thus it is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. Well, what does he mean by that, all righteousness? Well, Jesus came, you know, if we understand um, the gospel message at all, we realize that if there's more than an expiation of sin involved in this transaction, Right. Uh, if only if my sin, if it's only my sin that goes away, I'm still left lacking before God. I need righteousness, but it's not something I can earn on my own. It's not something that I can merit. Even um, the best of, of things that I can offer in my flesh are tainted by bad motives or something. They're sinful, even at the best. And so the Bible says that even the best of righteousness is nothing but filthy rags. So what what is it? Well, I need a righteousness that I can't supply. Jesus Christ is the one who supplies it. He comes, lives a perfect life. I think this this baptism is a part of that. Jesus is saying, I must fulfill all righteousness. He's saying that um, he must do everything that God requires of man, right? right? So that he can impute, 
it can be imputed to those who have faith in Christ, that righteousness. So they can stand before God as righteous, but not just, um, uh, you know, I mean, not practically righteous in that sense, but declared righteous on the basis of the righteousness of another or the righteousness of Christ. Right. So I think that is probably the first thing we ought to notice, that what's being fulfilled is actually good for you and I. Right. In the sense that, um, you know, our, even though we've been baptized, I mean, uh, you know, it, it was done imperfectly. It was done um, even when we did it, we had stained and, and, and wicked hearts, right? But what, what was pictured there um, was necessary because the, that righteousness must be his or it can't be mine. Right. But there goes further than that. I mean, really, this is a picture, a future picture of his death and resurrection. Right. Yes. This is going to signify the fact that he's going to die and be buried and resurrected, and and maybe even a third um, thing is this points to the fact that he is the Messiah that's been promised, and he says that when he unfolds to John the Baptist, right, I'm going to send the Messiah, and you're going to know it's him by this. John says, I didn't know it was him until um, I saw the Spirit descending on him, and the Father had told me the one on whom the Spirit descends. This is him, right? Mm -hmm. So John is testifying to the fact that this is the the promised Messiah Mm -hmm. by his baptism. So that would be the three things right off the bat that that come to my mind. Right. And so let's go back and think about what you were saying at the beginning and try to to fill in some of the blanks and uh, give some clarification. So when Jesus says... Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all all righteousness. I think the two words that we focus on there is the word fitting or fit. It's the right thing. It's the proper thing. And that word righteousness. And so when we we think about righteousness, there's a lot of different ways to understand righteousness in the Scripture. So Paul uses it differently Mm -hmm. um, than what this text would say about righteousness in this sense. Mm -hmm. Because righteousness under the baptism of John would be in line, at least in my thinking, would be in line with um, the Old Testament expectation from God that the the one who is righteous fulfills the whole law. Mm-hmm. It does it perfectly. That there's no gaps, there's no flaw, there's no mistake, if yeah. you will. Right. Okay. So then Jesus is coming to say, I'm the one who's going to fulfill, I'm going to accomplish, I'm going to uh, make sure that it is complete, all righteousness. Yes. So then that's what that statement, at least in my thinking, means. I'm the one. And so I'm going to be baptized here to state that I am that one who has fulfilled all the law of God. Because what is it? God expects, even now, doesn't God expect every person to be perfect? Sure. Yes. Yes. And and so we cannot, and so the righteousness of Christ, as you said earlier, imputed to us is what allows us to have any kind of relationship with God. Right. And the the idea, though, of John's baptism being um, one of repentance is probably needs a little bit of clarification, too, because when we think about repenting, we we think that person has sinned. And and I think that's right. Mm -hmm. I mean, when we as sinners, uh, repentance means to turn away and to be broken and be humbled. It's to reset our our thinking, our behavior, our attitudes. But then for Jesus 
that wasn't necessary. It wasn't. You know, in the baptism, it carries the, the, the cleansing connotation, right? I mean, the, you know, sins washed away, dying to self, you know, being resurrected with a new life. You're right. He didn't need that. Right. But we did. Right. And if, if at very minimum, it symbolized that he was doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Right. And um, so minimally, it, it symbolizes that, right? right. Um, did he need to be baptized in the sense that, um, uh, that he needed a new life? No. Did he need to be baptized in the sense that he needed his old sinful life washed away and, and, and he was cleansed? No, he didn't. Right, right. Did, um, but did God um, demand baptism of you and I? Yes, the, the the picture that's represented there of dying to self, right, and being renewed in Christ. Yeah, he demands that of us. Right. He commands every man, repent and believe the gospel. Right? Yes. So yes. Jesus did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves in that. Right. So in, in under John's baptism, the idea of repentance would almost be the idea of um, become a disciple, become one who will follow God, become a follower in the fullest sense of a full devoted follower of God and God's demands upon us. So that's, that's, I think that that helps us to understand. I hope it does helps us to understand a little bit why Jesus says, well, I'm fulfilling all righteousness. If I are baptized, if I am baptized by you, John and and John consented because I think he understood mm-hmm. what Jesus was doing at that moment. Now, the way that typically um, in um, church life today, people try to understand why Jesus was baptized is they'll say he's being an example for the believers, as you said just mm-hmm. a moment ago, that we are required to be baptized. He's being an example, or he's identifying with sinners, or he's. Um, this is sort of the, the kickoff, the inauguration of his public ministry. And I guess there's a sense when all of those might be true to some degree. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Um, I have a little more trouble with the idea of, of uh, Jesus identifying. Um, th- I think what they mean is that he, um, he became an adulterer. He became a murderer. He became a gospel, mm-hmm. a gossiper, and that can't be true. No, it's not that. If if there's an identification with sinners, it's in the sense that he came, and um, like I said, we've already said this a couple times, but but that he is fulfilling for the sinner what they couldn't fulfill themselves. Yes. God's demands, and I think that when I said an example, I I didn't mean ultimately an example in the sense that Jesus did it, so I ought to do it. I think more in the sense that um, it's he's doing in every case the gospel makes clear that um, it's all a work of God from the beginning to end and Jesus obviously knows that Mm -hmm. right he came to fulfill for us what we couldn't do and we see that you know, we see that exampled for us and um, but maybe even more importantly it prefigured um his own death and resurrection, which is where all that is going to ultimately be fulfilled. Yes. Right? Right. Where the imputation of sin is going to be to his case and righteousness to ours and so forth. So, yeah, I think that um, right. it prefigures that as well. Yes. So you're, you're 
I know that you're, when you said, and used the word example, you were thinking of it differently than what is typically thought about. Yeah, because I, I don't think that Jesus went, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay out for you what you sinners ought to do. Right. And in that sense, I, I don't necessarily think, I mean, it's, he doesn't have to example that. All he has to do is command it. Right. The Bible tells us to do it. We do it, whether we saw Jesus do it or not. Right. But I think um, from my from the way I understand it, I um, I don't see it. I don't need to see it necessarily in that kind of way. Yes. I think more importantly, it was demanded. It was commanded by God, so it's required of us. Yes. So He did it because we can't do it right. Yes. We ultimately we even understand it now as an example. A picture, if you will, of of the gospel, right? Yes. His death and resurrection. So when we do it, it's symbolic of our union to Him, right? That's really what it's all about. But we're united to Him because, just like, and we're going to talk about this at another podcast. But in the same token, the way that we were united to Adam, we're united to Christ, right? Yes. So the way that Paul would explain it is, we were united with Him in His death. And his resurrection. He's just prefiguring that in baptism. Yes. He's saying, you know, so he's doing for, he's doing in baptism what he's going to do three years later, ultimately. And when he does, all the believing ones are unified in him in that. Yes. We are baptized in Christ. Right. Right. So we are baptized into that relationship. That's a spiritual union. Yes. What he's doing here is he's giving a physical representation of what happens spiritually. Yes. And then he calls us to do the same thing. Yes. As an act of obedience. Yes. And that's what I'm saying. I, when I say he does it as an example, not that I'm supposed to look and go, oh, I need to be baptized. I mean, he commands that. That's enough for us, right? Right. But in the sense that he, we're unified in him, in it, and he's just prefiguring in physically what's going to be reality. Yes. Does that, does that make sense? Yes, yes. And I know that's what you were saying um, when, we, when you use the word example. My point is that we typically use that word with that idea, well, Jesus did it, so we just follow along right. and do it because he did it, which would be less than what really the understanding is. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you think about this, too, um, John the Baptist, remember his parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth, and they are from the oh, line. Not personally, I didn't know them, but <laughs> I'm sorry. Goodness. But they're from the line of Aaron. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so then, in a sense, what what is happening is a, a Levite, if you will, one in the line of Aaron, is baptizing Jesus, uh, so that Jesus now becomes at the end of his ministry after his death, resurrection, death, burial, and resurrection, he becomes the high priest. Mm-hmm. Uh, the great high priest, and, and it's, it's you also see that all the way actually through his life, but he becomes the great high priest who intercedes for us. Mm-hmm. And so there's there may be some connection with baptism to that. It was just something that um, in my thinking about this and reading about the baptism of Jesus in preparation for our time um, together in this episode, mm-hmm. uh, it was something I came across that I hadn't thought about or seen before. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever thought about that. The fact that, that um, it might be some kind of symbolism of him into the priesthood. Right. Um, hmm. Yeah. But I'll have to think as, more about that. Yeah, yeah, be that as it is. Um, it's not something to get into now. Um, one other thing that we just probably need to mention before we close this episode is the idea that the Trinity is seen here. Mm-hmm. You've got Father, Son, and Spirit. And then also the idea that 
it became evident. You you alluded to this moment ago, moments ago when we were talking, but um, that John in the Gospel of John um, says, uh, "I didn't know him until the the Holy Spirit descended on on him like a dove." Yeah, it was a, it's a, it, John was testifying that this is the Messiah, right? Right, and I know that because God told me, "You're going to know who He is." When I send my spirit, right? Right. And this is them. Right. And and the interesting thing is the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form, it says, mm-hmm. like a dove. It wasn't a dove, but like a dove. Yeah. So the the, the idea of gentleness or, or uh, um, a very calm flight and landing kind of picture in my mind anyway. Yeah. I, it would have been interesting to have seen that, obviously, and yeah. to see how it's been... You know, people have all kinds of weird, um, I think, pictures of, of that. Because I've heard say that he came as a dove. Right. The Holy Spirit descended as a dove. And I'm thinking, that's really weird. Uh, yes. <laughs> Why would he come as a dove? And the dove sitting on Jesus' shoulder going... Brr, brr. <laughs> you know, he does uh, yeah. speak in, in words unutterable, right? Right. I mean, right. Yeah. Right. No, I'm, just, I'm kidding, but right. the, that's how people think of it, yeah. Well, anyway, I hope that, uh, again, uh, as is always our desire and prayer, is trying to answer this question, why Jesus was baptized, would be helpful to you as we've uh, talked about it in in this episode. And again, we appreciate any ratings, reviews, likes, shares, any of those things that uh, would help uh, promote the podcast. And may the Lord bless you. Amen.